if you only have a spot for people to go on Sunday and you are neglecting the need for field medicine, then people are going to get lost in the shuffle and people are going to go without. And especially when you are in neighborhoods where there are groups of people who for one reason or another have been, have had their, their trust in other humans broken or abused, then there's a major necessity to go to where the people are rather than having a building or having a spot for people to come. And one of the one of the few voices that really married those worlds and and it felt like was speaking from from a wide angle perspective was Dr. Keller. Hey everybody, welcome back to Misfits or Buddy Walk or Brother Matthew or whatever you end up finding this on. We are doing things a little bit different this week. Misfit-wise, Brandon's on vacation. I was on vacation last week, Brandon's on vacation this week, and so because of that, our schedule got all screwed up. So we told you two weeks ago what you were going to hear last week. And that didn't happen, and it's not happening this week either. So it's going to happen next week. <laughs> we are eventually going to get to the whole idea of what is the gospel and what is salvation and all that good stuff. But today, though, we've got Brother Matthew. We've got Joe from Buddy Walk, Joe from Kingdom on the Road, Joe who hates it anytime I start talking about money. He's here. Brother Matthew's here. And we are doing a little bit of a different style of episode for all three of us, but it's related to stuff that all three of us have in common and all three of us are impacted by. So as we are recording this, it's been about 24 hours since it was mm -hmm. announced that Dr. Tim Keller had passed from the cancer that he got diagnosed with. Was that three, four years ago? Um, yeah, something like that. Some people aren't even aware he had it because he never actually stopped doing any of the stuff he normally did. It was just that mm -hmm. he was sick while he was doing it. So if you don't know who K Tim Keller was, he was, First of all, you either are not a part of evangelicalism or you just have not paid attention to American evangelicalism over the past four decades. Um, <laughs> he's been one of the most influential and loved pastors of the past 40 years. Very few people have beef with him, at least long standing beefs with him. <laughs> Not saying there's not some here and there, but long standing wise, there's not much people have to complain about. He was a church planner. Obviously, he was a pastor. He was a pastor to pastors, which is something that very few people that can claim that actually have success in. He was a writer. He was an author, which there is a difference. Just saying. He was a professor for a while. He's an apologetics you know, mastermind. He was the director of a bunch of different organizations. He was an inner city ministry expert. I mean, you don't plant a church in New York city and it lasts this long and be so in this successful. If you were not an expert in doing inner city ministry and towards the end, at least he was definitely more of a misfit of sorts, which is why we're all getting together to talk about this because he was, very well respected for a long time within the Reformed theology community. He was Presbyterian. He was a Presbyterian minister until he was no longer respected within the, the Reformed community because he was considered woke. We're going to get to all of that because you know how I feel about that word, and we'll talk about it once we actually get to it. But he he had he's been in a lot of different camps. He's been a lot of different things. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that made him him, why we are actually talking about how it impacted us, and then we are going to get into a little bit about 
the stuff that people were confused about or contra- considered controversial about his teaching, we're going to get into a little bit towards the end. So let's just start with Joe. Uh, we'll get to Matt in a minute because we already know it's going to be a nice long chunk for him. Joe, hey, no. <laughs> how familiar actually were you with Tim Keller's teaching and everything? So uh, you you had you had mentioned about how if if you don't know who he is, then you haven't been plugged into American evangelicalism. And I feel like if somebody like me who doesn't really do the celebrity pastor thing that doesn't really do the popular voice thing. Um, if somebody has permeated my, my, uh, sphere that says something about how loud their voice is. Um, I was pretty well, um, uh, acclimated with what he taught as far as the, the later half of, of his teaching career actually it wasn't until about a year ago that I really was exposed to, um, more of his earlier stuff, his reformed theology emphasis stuff, all of that kind of stuff. I, it was more of the, um, the inner city side of his, his teaching and his methodologies and all of that kind of stuff. Because for me, it was, I I resonated with the practicality of his, his teaching and his principles and that side of it, where it seemed like in a side of, in a world of, of hot takes and different out of the box teaching methods and all of that kind of stuff. His, his style was more see the person experience that moment with them. And so this was a guy that um, in a lot of ways helped impact the mode in which I started evangelizing um, because for me, I didn't have that, that those years of experience and all of that kind of stuff. And so I was flying by the seat of my pants. So for me, it was a voice that really resonated because of that practical side. Yeah. And so, you know, that's part of what, we're going to get into as far as what he's known for mm-hmm. is what, you know, he wasn't the one that coined this term, but what you're describing is kind of, he's now kind of become, he was the poster boy for it was this idea of winsome witness, mm-hmm. this idea of, you know, it's not about the sound bites. It's not about the hard line, hard nose theology. It's about the person that's in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those of us that do inner city ministry knows that's the only style that's going to have any potential chance of winning within an inner city environment. He's also, though, known for the more reformed style, the more apologetics, the more academic style, which is why we also want to hear from Brother Matthew as far as why, you know, what it, how, how you were kind of associated with him and, and the, the teaching styles and everything else? Um, not really. Um, I, uh, you know, I became most familiar with, uh, Mr. Or, uh, uh, with, with Tim Keller, um, just through all the arguments over Tim Keller in, in my, refor- in my reform circles. And, uh, then, as I started doing uh, all of this that I do and taking on some of those principles, I have a time or two been compared to Tim Keller as someone who's uh, reformed but also has a more – or attempts to have a more uh, person-centric missiology. So – 
Um, the comparison to Tim Keller has been made more than once. That's not a bad comparison to have, even though no. the community that's making it is trying to say otherwise. We know, yeah, he, <laughs> like we said, the Winsome Witness was a big one. Um, a couple other key things he was known for, and this is where more of my side of how I got connected to him kind of was at. Mm-hmm. He was known for speaking a lot into the idea of idolatry as the main problem. Which is something misfits listeners you should be familiar with hearing. This is you know we talk about this all the time, and I, I was talking to these guys last night. It's very possible that the first place I heard this may have been actually Tim Keller fifteen twenty years ago. I don't remember, but this idea of you know the first commandment is the commandment that holds all the others together. If you keep God at as God at the forefront, you aren't going to do any of the other other commandments. Idolatry is always the main sin at the root of everything. Tim Keller is one of the guys that really pushed that idea forward of if we can identify the idol, then we can actually get to the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. He also was what some people either forget or want to forget, or in some cases have held against him for a long time. He was the the main one of the main founders of the Gospel Coalition and the Young Restless Reform Movement that produced Mark Driscoll. Now, the irony here is that Keller's stances on evangelism, on theology, are very much the opposite of what we saw, or well, not what we saw, what we currently are seeing coming out of the Gospel Coalition. Mm-hmm. which are very much hot takes, very much hardline theology, or no theology at all, but just hot takes. Or what we saw coming out of the Unrestless Reform Movement, which was a lot more of the Restless Re- Reformation, and not as much of a actual Orthodox winsome Christianity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, which actually... Uh... I forgot. I forgot that connection. Um, so, so then, as uh, you know, as someone who lives in Washington, the uh, I, I can't deny the Driscoll influence. Um, at least when I was first getting into all of this, so um, that'd probably be my actual connection to Tim Keller would be through Matt Chandler and Mark Driscoll and all of those guys. Um, I had, I had friends at Mars Hill um, that went through all of that. So, and the, the I will say this, so that for those that haven't checked out the new show, you know, if you actually go and go to brothermatthew.net, and listen to the new show, especially the first ep- even just the first episode that Joe and I recorded with him. There's one more connection point as far as why people would be associating Matt with Tim Keller in terms of style and everything else is the fact that he came out of more of the style of Young Restless Reformed, mm-hmm. Gospel Coalition, both style and theology, and yet now he has arrived at this next level of the idea of the winsome witness side of things. And a lot of it does actually have to do with the fourth thing that he has suddenly become known for, which is where all the controversy started, which is the idea of social justice and the gospel. Mm -hmm. But the irony is, is that if you've ever listened to him, even going back into when he first started or anything out of his testimony, this has always been central to what he has done. He was saved because of the fact that he recognized the church was instrumental in the civil rights movement. And because of that, he wanted to hear why they went to the civil rights movement. And that is what actually got him involved when he was a, when he was a student. But yet people now are trying to twist that into something else. Because, like we talk about all the time on all three of our shows, people have 
have twisted the gospel into something that it's not. And that's part of where, you know, we can start this little bit of the discussion as far as even this idea of the personal impact on us and just the ideologies as a whole that he he produced or put out or just just lived in a lot of cases. You know, one of the things that is interesting, if you actually search Winsome Witness in Tim Keller's name, you will not really find anything other than maybe one or two articles he wrote on it. But yet, he's associated with it fully, not because he talked on it a lot, not because he wrote on it, but because he actually lived it out. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and actually start walking through some of these different stuff. Cause we are, we started a little bit late due to traffic issues and due to work schedules and everything else. So we're, we want to make sure we give enough time to all of this. So we're just going to keep pushing through here a little bit quicker. Winsome witness is kind of, we can kind of divide it up into three or four different things here to kind of describe it. It's the idea of seeing the other person as a person, not as the enemy, not as an unbeliever, not as, you know, a pagan. It's just, he's a, it's an image bearer. Involves listening to the other person, which that right there gets rid of like half the different evangelicalism, evangelism tactics that I've heard over the past 30 years. You've got the idea of loving the other person. Regardless of what they are doing, you're loving the other person before you even enter the conversation. And it's having a relationship and a witness rather than an antagonistic conversion is the goal. It's about relationship and it's about witness, not about antagonistic conversion. So, misfits, this should sound very familiar because this is really the 5B model. We, we have to, they have to feel like they belong before they can believe and before they can have baptism and behavior changes and become a disciple. Belonging is the first step. That's what this is. Outside of that context, though, we're going to, we'll start with you, Matt, and then we'll let Joe talk about his, his uh, context of all of this. This is sort of new for you. Not necessarily in terms of hearing, but in terms of trying to actually apply it regularly. What, I guess actually the first thing would be, why is this idea so almost revolutionary within certain parts of the church today? Well, so it goes back to what you said earlier, which I was going to backpedal to anyway, which is... Uh, a twisting of the gospel. And I don't know that twisted is the right word as much as reduction is the right word. Um, in in reformed uh, circles, especially, and also um, kind of the Baptist world for the most part too, um, the gospel has been reduced to justification. That's it. That's all it is. Um, so that that becomes not only the end goal, but the only goal. And um, that leads to, as you were just saying, the antagonistic... Right. So uh, that's the biggest thing. It is, I think, a reduction of the gospel to merely a means of justification. Um, whereas we know God is actively reconciling all of creation to himself. Um, so the, the biggest difference, uh, for me in this, and it's, it's your guys influence and also, um, some other stuff in my life, but really moving from like, Obviously, yes, we're all made in the image of God, whatever. But living in that on an individual level, um, that God has made each and every one of us differently to image different aspects of him, or sometimes the same aspects, but in different ways. And 
learning to experience people's otherness. Uh, rather than finding those inroads through the commonalities, um, enjoying the differences, the ways in that then the ways in which they are other from me. And not and then not reducing people to their theology or their opinions or their ideology and seeing the person, seeing the why of those things, learning the experience that led them to those things. Because then you don't have a information ship, you have a relationship. Yeah, and that, and again, that's something for those of you that have heard Brother Matthew before and have not heard him recently. That that shift is exactly what he's been dealing with over the past, you know, Joe and I know it's been over the past year, but for those that have just been listening, watching, or reading, it seems like it's maybe been over the past couple of months. But you know, that that's a big part of it is this. I, I like the idea. It's a reduction of the gospel rather than a, a switching. Mm-hmm. Of it because it and this is part of the issue, though, is that because it's a reduction down, you're able to actually find it in the Bible. Right. It's just not the full picture. And when we don't have the full picture, it can be used in a lot of different ways. You know, now, Joe, you and I have a different a little bit more of a different background related to this idea. You you have been doing this within much more of an intimate style of church within the house church movement and everything else for, for a while. So talk us through what the winsome witness sort of thing looks like for you. Yeah. So um and, and for those of you that are listening over on over on Buddy Walk, um, this is a concept, even if you haven't heard of specifically winsome witness, this is something that, that we talk about on on a regular basis. Um, for me, I was very much thrust into the role of, um, ministry and caring for other people and all of that kind of stuff. And I was in a context of, um, being in the city, being in a very diverse part of the city where for me, um, I, I was one of the only people in my area that, that looked like me. And so, um, this, this kind parts of this kind of came, uh, n- naturally, I guess, because I, I, if I was going to have conversations with people, if I was going to connect with people, then I needed to be able to see that person, um, and, and be able to listen to them regardless of, of, of anything else or any other extenuating circumstances. So as, as I started getting into ministry, um, I found myself in a position and a posture due to the world's climate, due to the time period, the situation in the whole nine yards. A lot of people that were coming across my doorstep were people that were experiencing some of the worst that um, America, the American church had to offer or had been hurt by the church and things like that. And so anything that even smelt like Christianity um, really wasn't cool. And, and so uh, this, there, there was this necessity to show, okay, um, yes, some of the other people that have been, um, that you have been exposed to maybe maybe haven't done this right or haven't gotten this right or or have have used the gospel message as a weapon to beat you up with mm-hmm. um but there's a necessity to show that okay um some some people suck god doesn't suck and <laughs> you are an image bearer and so you matter and there's a lot of things that that are encompassed within that idea of being an image bearer. And that's been a process learning and growing and understanding like the depths of that. And then part of part of what's baked into all of this 
is this idea of that that if you've heard me if you've heard me talk here if you've heard me talk on misfits before if you've heard me talk on brother matthew's show you know that one of the first things that i reach for is this idea of the living kingdom and and part, baked into that is this idea of immersive and present relationship with god mm-hmm. and if you are going to live in that context then you need to live in the context that we are image bearers we are that that this is active and this is immersive and all of that kind of stuff and so for me it was more of the things that really made sense because the context of god and the context of 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 christ and and all of it literally the only way that this world makes a lick of sense is through the context of the living kingdom. And so for me, hearing somebody preach this stuff on, on each one of these levels, it was like somebody grabbing the practicality pieces that, that made sense to me, but verbalizing it in a way that I didn't have the context or the language or the years of experience to be able to vocalize. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's fascinating because some of the guys that I roll with are of, of a different generation than I am. You guys are some of the only folks that I do life with and do ministry with that we are all, there's, there's a couple of years difference between the three of us, but we're still within that same generational um, bracket. So for me, this is one of the first people that I can point to. I've watched other people that people of their generation have passed away and that people that were impacted by them or or, that impacted them rather, they passed away. This is one of the first times where I can point to somebody who really impacted me and my ministry style, my ministry life, who has now passed away. Yeah, you know, it. Part of the weird thing for me when we when we walk through, you know, this sort of thing is the fact, you know, when when I was going through the, you know, wasn't called deconstruction at the time, deconstruction reconstruction phase, the refining phase. Theologically, the only pastors that I could find that were even somewhat relatively where it's like, okay, I can actually listen to them because I, I can, they, they, the way that they are, are teaching about ministry is what I'm reading in scripture. When I'm reading was, was mainly John Piper, but John Piper's actual methodology and attitude towards other aspects of theology was stuff I could not get on board with whatsoever. And then you have Tim Keller, who's a part of the same, same breed of theology for the most part as, as guys like Piper and MacArthur and you know, uh, a lot of these other people that, you know, have put out some very weird things is the nice way of putting it. <laughs> But yet what we see with him is one where it was the theology was there. The theology was was very, very clear, very well grounded, very biblical, supported. Being taught by somebody who was an excellent storyteller, but yet was 100% genuine in every interaction that we ever saw. Whether it was him leading a megachurch, whether it was him speaking at a conference, whether it was him in his books, whether it was him online, there was a consistency of genuine fruit of the spirit. In a lot of ways of the effect, we could see a genuine love coming from the spirit of a peace coming from the spirit. As we watched him over the past three and a half years since his diagnosis, you know, a, a, a patience that we don't see with a lot of the other people coming out of, some of the more reformed camps that are considered celebrity pastors. You know, we don't, we don't always see that, but we saw it with him. 
And so that is much more of what had originally kind of drawn me to start listening to what to a lot of the stuff he was talking about. It was also, though, the fact that he never once considered himself a celebrity pastor. He didn't want that. He just wanted to do what he had been called to do. And as we started putting misfits together, the one the one mainstream high-level pastor that we actually were able to look at, like, okay, if we have to bring on you know, some celebrity pastor, some celebrity guest or whatever to actually get this ball rolling. He's like the only one on the list that we can actually bring in. Because he's doing all this stuff we've been talking about. He's talking about evangelistic disciple making. He's not using the same terms, but that's what he's talking about. He's talking about going and making disciples, not converts. We're talking actual relationship, actual discipleship. He's Mm -hmm. talking about ridding ourselves of idolatry, not just calling out sin that is what everybody else is calling sin at the moment and ignoring everything else. It's a full-on, we rid ourselves of idolatry. He taught, he's talking about the fact that we need to be planting churches. You know, the one thing that, that unfortunately gets overshadowed by everything else within the Gospel Coalition stuff, within the Young Restless Reformed movement stuff, is the fact that the initial goal was planning of churches. Mm-hmm. It was a church planning. Church planning was the goal originally. You know, Can I speak to won- that for a second? Yeah. So... um when I got into the the whole house church thing and church planting and all of that, there were several different voices that were suggested for me to read. And there were really only two of them um, that, that actually resonated and that I could get behind. The rest of them um, really seemed very... Uh, copy and paste, and this is the roadmap mm-hmm. to get to a mega church. This is a roadmap to get to your standard Sunday morning American evangelical model church. And the analogy that I have used a lot is field medicine versus a hospital. Mm-hmm. There are there. There's obviously room, and now I realize now that by the grace of God, I've become a little bit more mature in my faith and I've become a little bit mature when it comes to dealing with other Christians and all of that kind of stuff. There's room in this conversation for hospitals. Hospitals are a good thing, but if you only have a spot for people to go on Sunday and you are neglecting the need for field medicine then people are going to get lost in the shuffle and Mm -hmm. people are going to go without. And especially when you are in neighborhoods where there are groups of people who for one reason or another have been, have had their, their trust in other humans broken or abused then there's a major necessity to go to where the people are rather than having a building or having a spot for people to come. And one of the, one of the few voices that really married those worlds and, and it felt like was speaking from, from a wide angle perspective was Dr. Keller. Yeah, and that, and again, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like we said, he is one of the few that I've, one of the few in terms of academia that I found that actually is able to speak to how to do inner city ministry well. As, and I'll, I'll clarify, as a white pastor in academia, being able to say right. how to do inner city ministry well. Because of the fact that it was all about the person and not losing sight of the ultimate mm-hmm. call of the church. Rather than just being a Sunday morning clubhouse. 
you know, that, that is really what, what drew me to a lot of the stuff that he, he had, he had written the people that he had platformed all that sort of thing, as far as that we're doing this well and doing it effectively and doing it efficiently. And, you know, going through the fourfold rubric was the fact that it was about the people that we were reaching and not about the sign on the front of the building. You know, and that really leads us into what the big, you know, we, the big issue that kind of got brought up towards the end here of this idea Mm -hmm. of the woke Keller, which again, we're using that phrase because this is what he was labeled. Right. The phrase was used incorrectly, as always. The phrase was used derogatorily here, as always. But that is what he was considered because he was speaking to racial injustice. He was speaking to people being level-headed when, in terms of how they were approaching COVID. He was speaking to people being level-headed when it comes to how they were going to be voting. He was talking about people actually, again, keeping sight of the people in front of us rather than losing sight of everybody in, in the chaos and the crowd. You know, he was very much against culture warring. And this is part of where a lot of the things that you see a lot, Brother Matthew, really start to come into play is that at least online, the big push, if you want to get your name known within the extreme theological reformed camps, is whatever the latest culture war is. Right. I've was a culture warrior myself, so... And you can't, if you have somebody within your own camp saying culture warring is not what we are about, we are about the gospel, and the gospel is about justice, because again, we are speaking to the culture and we're speaking to society and we are calling for justice and dealing with the things of the world that the world are dealing with today, but not about going out on the battlefield trying to take over everybody and everything. You're going to make more enemies than you are friends within your own camp. You know, and that that is what we saw over the past three, four years. The big thing that we want, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about, because anybody that listens Misfits knows this is a fun topic for me. Anybody that has listened to Brother Matthew has probably not really ever heard him talk about this in a positive way. <laughs> And those that listen to Buddy Walk, I don't think I've ever actually heard Joe use this term before. So the idea of relevance in ministry was part of the big thing that we have with Keller as far as how he understood. Because on a lot of his earlier writings, when he talked about churches being relevant... It was being used in the idolatry talks that we talked about before. This idea of your idol is relevance. You would rather be relevant than actually stick to what you are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Later on, though, he clarified a lot more as the idea of relevance became the rallying cry for the culture warriors as far as we need to get rid of it. He clarified the fact that we don't get rid of it. We need to make sure that we are using it effectively in terms of the winsome witness ideas of being able to see and hear and interact with the other person. We'll, we'll let Brother Matthew go first because relevance isn't necessarily the word that I've always heard you use, use talk about this. <laughs> This is where normally we've heard you use the word squishy. <laughs> they're, what, not mis- the, they're not the same thing. What's the because difference? You can, okay. Well, squish is just lack of theological conviction. It's not having a sound, you know, doctrinal. So that, and that, 
that that continues to be the difference in this conversation between someone like Tim Keller and who those who would get called a squishy evangelical is he had the doctrinal framework and the theological acumen and all of the what's and the why behind stuff. He had the conviction, but he had relevance to our culture in being able to speak to, um, rather than dismiss identity, which, which is a very modern, very relevant topic. Um, he was able to blend those. So, but the, 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 the church has always struggled. Well, not struggled, but the, uh, the, the church has always been influenced by being relevant. I mean, that, that, uh, that essentially boils down to Joe's whole conversation he had yesterday is the church is always going to be influenced by its context and its culture and find a way to be effective and relevant in the world that they are part of. And that isn't, and that isn't squish or compromise. And that, that becomes the disagreement. You know, that, oh, you know, well, the Bible says what it says, and the gospel is the gospel is the gospel is the gospel. And if you're preaching it, if you're preaching a new way, you're preaching a new thing. Like, I know the arguments because they were my arguments. But <laughs> well, and, and that largely is part of, part of the problem that we have right now in terms of both talking yes. about what we're dealing with in terms of looking back at Tim Keller over the past three years compared to the last 40 mm -hmm. years. Right. Is this idea of, well, our culture has shifted, so we should be shifting too, but different parties are going to say which way we should be shifting. Right. Part of what Tim Keller has always talked about though, is the fact that the church doesn't shift with the culture. The, sh the, the church stays where it is. Because our message is going to be able to be relevant regardless of where we have shifted. As long as it's focused on the person and not the problems around us. That's the idolatry stuff again. You know, Joe, walk, go into that a little bit here as far as, you know, the context of the kingdom, the context of the stuff that you do regularly in terms of what this idea of relevance actually looks like for you. So uh, over at Buddy Walk, um, the the community over there has has largely heard me refer to this as a uh, person centric approach, um, where it's that idea that the the gospel is the gospel is the gospel is the gospel absolutely, but <laughs> where where the separation in um, in approach comes is um, each each person is is unique, and that mm -hmm. that aspect of it is reflected in how you approach that person and all of that kind of stuff. And it's this idea that if you are putting that if you are putting God first and understanding the idea that you are called to love before preaching your stance then you 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 can disagree and you can love and you can approach that person as a person and rather than approaching that person with the idea of converting them to your thought process and all of that kind of stuff and it's this idea that while it's not inherently bad to have opinions or to have perspectives or, you know, for those of you that are more um, politically oriented um, to have a political stance or, or, or a, a voting thought process or whatever. Okay, fine. But if the first thing that's coming out of your mouth 
is your stance, then it's impossible to have the beat on the mm -hmm. person who is in front of you. Yeah, you know, and th this is where, you know, the, again, the, the stuff we talk about, the terms we use, this is the full fold rubric stuff right here. Is it strategically relevant? Is what you are do talking about, what you are doing, the relationship that you're building, is the stuff you are talking about or doing the methods, whatever, you know, whichever level we're looking at here, is it relevant to the person that you're talking to? Right. Because if it's not, why are you even talking to them? They don't care. <laughs> and, you know, they, you, in the, for those of us, you know, that are millennials or are younger, we're a little bit more sarcastic and blunt to even let you know that we don't care. Yeah. And we're not going to continue the conversation because why would we? This is a waste of time. Is it strategically relevant so that it can be efficiently effective? Mm -hmm. That is what the relevance that Keller understood was actually talking about. It wasn't about being relevant to the culture so that you could fight back against it. It was about being relevant to the culture so that you could meet the people within the culture. Mm -hmm. So that you could become a part of the people that are within the culture so that you can reach them right. as an individual, not just as another number to put in the pews. You know, this is what we're talking about. And, you know, the, the, the other side of this that both Matt and Joe kind of, you know, said over and over, the, the gospel is the gospel is the gospel is the gospel. That is the stuff that we talked about. Those of you that are Patreon members, we talked about that in the Bible study. That's what Galatians is all about. The gospel is the gospel is the gospel, and anything that's not the gospel is unrelevant. Isn't the gospel? <laughs> it's not relevant. It doesn't matter. If, if it's not the gospel, that's not the gospel. Exactly. <laughs> and this is also, again, next week when Brandon is back, we are actually going to eventually record and talk about it, but... You know, this idea of what is the gospel is largely where a lot of the the woke allegations start to fly. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the gospel is exactly what we've been talking about this whole time of this idea. The gospel is about individual relationships, individual reconciliation to God, and individual removal of idols it's about the individual can i take a moment to speak to all three of our audiences because for a lot in a lot of respects part of what has brought the three of us together is um in, in certain regards we are three sides of the same coin um we 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 and yes we make about as much sense as three three sides to one coin so but, that would fit very weird in my pocket. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> to juxtapose Matt's perspective, because Matt understands this stuff because um, he, he used to be one of the people that we are discussing. Um, for me, <laughs> I'm well aware of all of the arguments. I'm well aware of all of the noise. Um, frankly, my dear, I don't care. Like, you know, that's not the actual movie quote, but we try to keep these things PG and family friendly. Yeah. And um, I don't have my sensor button ready to go. So, <laughs> um, so having the perspective that I have, and again, being thrust into this, I didn't choose to have an international ministry. When I started buddy walk, five years ago, I would have never guessed that it would turn into helping to plant churches across the world and, and, and working within different contexts, in different areas, in different groups. I can tell you from firsthand experience, when you boil it down, 
we're 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 equipping people to preach the same gospel message here, there, and everywhere. But the approach that you have to take with one group of people is going to be different from the other group of people mm -hmm. that is going to be different from the other group of people. And none of these individual groups of people are prostituting the actual gospel message. But the way that one per one people group is going to understand it is going to be different than the other ones. And that's part of why I simply took the path of not listening to the noise because I knew it was based out of people's perspective or people's, per pe people's preference. People had a preference to hold on to things in such a regimented way that that's how they were choosing to see it. That obviously they were ignoring whole swaths of the mm -hmm. uh, of the gospel of the Bible, in an effort to reduce it down into well, it's just this. It's as simple as A plus B equals C. And and having been very well acquainted with people in their nonsense, I, I just knew it was more. It's just more more man made noise and nonsense. So whether or not you are more of that theological philosophical kind of that's the stuff that you really enjoy hearing and so you listen to brother matthew or you are particularly interested in culture or politics or the modern perspective and how the gospel fits into that and so you vibe more with the misfits or you vibe more with the kingdom perspective, how do we live in present relationship and community with God and man, and thus you are part of the Buddy Walk community? The truths that exist, whether it's any of the three of us, whether it's Keller's writings or somebody else, the truths that we are discussing here are... are are truths for a reason that the gospel is the gospel is the gospel, but context and perspective and all of that kind of stuff are all things that have to be considered. If you are going to be an active citizen of the kingdom of God that operates within the world. And the thing that you'll find if you listen to the three of us in our different contexts is that any time that we are talking gospel, we are talking a Christocentric gospel. Yeah. And that's part of what always was very strange about the way that people turned on Keller. Is that Keller never once talked about a gospel that was not Christocentric. He just talked about taking that gospel and applying it to the relationships that we build every day. That is what defined his ministry, was the people that he was working with. Much more than the writings, much more than anything else, that was what defined his ministry. And that was what defined Jesus's ministry. It was the people he was with. That's part of why, you know, those that are listening to Buddy Walk know, you know, Joe's been walking through Matthew for like the past six months. More like the past year, but yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> John is my favorite of the Gospels, and this is why. Because what we read about in John is that John tells the same stories that Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. But from the perspective of the people that Jesus was actually talking to. We hear their testimonies coming out. Rather than just hearing about another example of the same story, now we are getting the eyewitness account, not from the eyewitness of John, but from the eyewitness of the person that experienced Jesus for the first time. Right. You know, that's why we get the lines that we do out of, you know, out of the, um, you know, things like with, with Mary and the idea of, you know, I know that he will rise again. 
we got things like with the with Mary as mom of just do whatever he tells you. Even though Jesus just told him told her she wasn't gonna, he wasn't going to do anything, she still knows you do what he tells you to do because he's going to do something here. You know, the blind man of I you know all I know is I was blind and now I see. We have the personal stories because the reconciliation was a personal act, not a cultural act or a corporate act or a national act. It was an individual act, and that is the stories that we saw. And so that is how we are actually supposed to go about doing gospel ministry ourselves. So next week for Misfits, we're going to actually get into the gospel finally. (laughs) that we've been advertising for like three weeks. We're going to get there. If you still don't want to wait again, go to Patreon, do the Bible study. It's all there. If you are more interested in what's going on in the book of Matthew, head on over to buddywalkwithjesus.com. Check out buddy walk. Joe, what else you guys got going besides, besides Matthew, anything? Uh, so we're getting ready to wrap up Matthew and getting ready to announce what the next um, trek is going to be. And we have uh, over at YouTube, if you look up um, Buddy Walk with Jesus, there's going to be um, a series of YouTube exclusive uh, interviews uh, with other, with other Christians, with other voices, um, unpacking some of these concepts and things like that. Yeah, and if you haven't already, if you're watching this on YouTube, you need to go and actually subscribe to the Misfits channel, the Brother Matthew channel, the Buddy Walk channel, the Kingdom on the Road channel, all these different channels because of the fact that YouTube now has a podcast setting to where if you are subscribing to the shows and subscribe to the podcast playlists, then you will be updated the same way that anybody that's listening on Apple or Good Pods or wherever they're listening. It's the same sort of thing. So if you if you are a YouTube Music subscriber, go search for the shows in YouTube Music and subscribe there, and you'll get it the same way you do anytime any other artists you're subscribed to release. You'll get the notification. It'll it'll be in your in your playlist. All that good stuff. It actually seems to work better in a lot of cases than the other podcast platforms at the moment. <laughs> it's a little bit yeah. more consistent, I found. You know, in the meantime, though, also, Brother Matthew has relaunched. Brother Matthew, what are you doing over there with Brother Matthew Ministries at the moment? <laughs> you know, I don't really know. It feels like I, I, it feels like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. You know, I had a plan, and then God has just taken this a whole different direction. So the uh, the episode that re- that just came out what yesterday, um, I don't know is is the favorite is the favorite thing of mine I've ever made over the last however many years. Um, I'm looking at next. We're actually going to be going through all of Christ's claims about himself that I listed in that last episode. And we're actually going to break all those down. What they mean scripturally, theologically, and how to, and how they apply to our lives as Christians. So the very next thing on the list is we are looking at what does it mean, like really, that Jesus is both the Son of God and the Son of Man. And if we are living out the incarnation, then how do we claim that for ourselves and live out Son of God, Son of Man, as little Christs, which is what it means to be Christian? So again, brothermatthew.net, you can find all that there. He's got a merch store that should be up by the time you're listening to this also <laughs> with um, some interesting selections. We'll just leave it at that. In the meantime, also, Misfits, it's about to be June, and you know what that means. It's birthday month. Yay! For those of you that have no idea what we're talking about, both me and Brandon and our voiceover artist that is in the theme song, 
all of our birthdays are within about one week of each other here within the month of June. So what we are doing for birthday month <laughs> is that any new pa- any Patreon supporters that we get in the month of June, anybody that wants to do a one-time Cash App donation during the month of June, anybody that wants to do one of the Facebook donations during the month of June will not only receive the normal benefits of Patreon if you're a Patreon subscriber, but we also will send you one of our new Misfit Paul t-shirts as well. Um, And so if you want to do any of that, go to the website, ministrymisfits.com, go to the support button, and you can get the Cash App information there because I never can remember what it actually is to try to say it on here. Or you can go to patreon.com backslash misfits and get all the goodies and everything by supporting us there. So that starts on June 1st, ends at the end of June because I can't remember if that's 30 or 31. But the month of June, if you if you support us during the month of June, we're going to send you a Misfits Paul t-shirt um, to celebrate birthday month. So I love that artwork. Oh, yeah. It's great, isn't it? So <laughs> Joe, Matt... Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sitting and talking for a while about all of this stuff that we normally just talk about in, in chat rooms and then end up getting mad at each other because spell check messed up. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> it's a lot easier doing this over, over voice. So we will see the rest of you all next week. <laughs>